From Radical Productions, this is Reaching the Border. One unique story told week by week. I'm your host, Robert A. Douglas. Reaching the Border is a podcast that attempts to reveal the real reason as to why brown boys are worse off in transitioning into adulthood as opposed to any other group, including brown girls, according to a story in the New York Times. This observation apparently applies to all brown boys regardless of wealth, class, and levels of education. For this season, we focus on those in poverty. This is our third episode, so if you've not listened to the first two, go back and take a listen. And as always, thank you for listening. So I'm going to take a break from the script that I've written for this episode, and I'm going to take a break from what my friends call my podcast voice, because this episode really touched me. I saw myself in a student the other day when I got a tip from teachers that there were some sixth graders carrying drugs in the school building. The teacher told me specifically that this one student smelled like weed, not weed that was smoked, but raw weed. And my first thought was, hmm, you know a lot about weed. But in seriousness, before I approached this student, I thought about myself as an 11 year old boy. I started selling drugs at 11. And it wasn't weed. I started with crack cocaine in East Baltimore. Not because I wanted the latest Jordans. Not because there were some fads or trends that my parents just couldn't help me to keep up with. Because I needed to survive. I needed clothes for school, uniform clothes. I needed food. I didn't have a mom or a dad. And the home that I was growing up in required certain things of me, like paying the BGE bill because social services was no longer contributing money to me. So I thought about those things. And as I searched this kid, he sits and waits for me to discover the marijuana in his sock. I immediately confiscate it, take him to the side, and have a conversation with him about what's going on. He was very honest. So honest that I had to include him on this podcast. Listen. So the other week I got a tip from one of your teachers saying that there was a possibility that some of you were carrying weed. Tell me about the experience that you had when I pulled when I pulled out of your out of your sock. Um, well, like what you mean experience? So like what was going through your head at the time? Oh, well, I thought that um thought I was gonna get like in trouble. But I really thought you was gonna call the police and I was gonna get locked up. Why did you think that? Cause some teachers well I thought that's what like that's what you do when you find drugs on a student in school. Why did you have drugs on you? Cause I was um selling in not in school but I was just selling. And what's your purpose in selling drugs? Just to try to like try to get some money to eat. Cause I got two other siblings. I was going through something like my mother boyfriend hit me, so I don't live with her no more. I live with my father now. At the time, I was just like, I'm not gonna listen to my mother because she's sitting here letting him put his hands on me. Cause I was walking in from the house and I took these shoes because I was punished. She told me don't get these shoes, but I took them anyway. So he said he punched me in my chest and said, "Where my shoes at?" And I said, I got them right here. And then my mother just sat there and let him put his hands on me. He never started putting his hands on me, so he not really starting now. So then that's when I moved with my father. And well, when he hit me, I just like, I'm not gonna listen to my mother. I don't gotta listen to my mother. I was just, I was thinking that in my head. So I just started selling, bringing my own food in. I was chicken boxes for my brother. 
And yeah, that's it for me. So is the relationship with your stepfather the reason that you felt that you had to start providing for yourself? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Because she wouldn't, like, if I came in the house late, she wouldn't have let me eat. She just told me, take a shower and go straight to sleep. She wouldn't have let me cook in her kitchen. So I had to bring my own food home, my my own chicken, by all that. I just had to bring my own food. So that's why, that, that was the main priority why I started. Because well, I can't sleep without eating. I cannot sleep without eating. Where were you getting the drugs to sell from? Well, um, I got uh, my homeboy, and he was just, he just was like, hey, bro, um, you trying, you trying to, like, track with me? I said, yes, yeah, whatever, because I do need a little money to get something to eat over. I was $25 a day, so I used to spend $10 on chicken box and just had a rest, 15 for just, just to save up. I was going to buy shirts, clothes, everything. Then I, um, I think I bought a shirt, and then she was like, well, how you got that money to get a shirt? That's when she, like, really found out that I was selling and all that. And what was her response to that? I don't know, because my mother, she just changed her mood for that my man. So she just told my father that my father was like, I want him living with me. So I slowed down, not really standing outside every day, hot and all that. I just slowed down. He told me to get this off of me, and I got $25 for you. And then, then I do a little quick sale, but not like, not no all day thing, like how I used to do it. I used to do it all day, but now I just calm down, because I'm living with my father now. The presence and absence of a father can make all the difference. And when I speak of father, I don't talk about biological disposition, but a role. I'm a father to a lot of these kids here at the school, and they respect me for it because I get the opportunity to teach them what no one desired to teach me growing up. When there's not a father in the life of a child, it becomes difficult for him to navigate certain pressures like having to eat, having to provide for yourself and for your siblings, with no one to show you what it's like to navigate a society, to navigate poverty, to navigate the emotions and hormones that you're dealing with in your body, you still look for someone to teach you. And sometimes that teacher is out in the streets. That was the teacher for me and many other boys growing up in poverty, especially in East Baltimore. So it doesn't surprise me that he slowed down because he lived with his father. The man that was in his life, he didn't respect, he didn't connect with, he didn't learn anything from. So that didn't prohibit him from giving into the streets. How old is the person that is up in Cold Spring? 17. And where do you know him from? Um, I met him playing basketball in Northwood. So it was way, way back. I just, just ran into him one day. He was like, hey, bro, you trying to track with me? Boy? I said, yeah, because I really need the, the uh, money. What types of dangers do you realize about what you're doing? Just death, jail. I could get life in there. And does that risk scare you at all? Or do you, you kind of come to terms with it? Yeah, it scared me. It scared me a lot, for real, for real. But it's like I had to do it. It's either I was going to do that, I was going to hustle, or not eat at all. That was just my mental of it. I ain't really think about getting caught, death, or nothing like that. I just really, boom, boom, bam, quick sale, gone. That's it. I never stand in one spot all day. It's either five minutes right there, five minutes around the corner, or five minutes, and I kind of just came back where the spot began that. Why five minutes? Because you're not supposed to stand at the same spot, because then... 
uh, a person might just knock me off or something like that because of my size. A grown man could knock me off. That's that's the main thing I was thinking of getting robbed. Somebody knocking me off. Like a grown man pointing a gun to my head is like, give me all everything you got. That that was that was the main thing I was sleeping on for real. Does that cause some type of paranoia? Does it make you like anxious? It make me anxious because that's what that was my main goal: save up and just get a little something like a knife or a gun or something like that. Because I I didn't want nobody to rob me. Because then if I would have lost my money, that's my man's money too. So I'd have been in jeopardy of both of them. Not not saying he did not stupid or nothing like that, but he'd have been real mad. So. That's my money and his money. I got to find a way to eat, and he got to find some way to stay. And where does school come in play of that? School is, is like, it was just play, like, just to get out of places. Like, they can't come into school and come knock me off or not like that. So that's why, I, well, I used to come to school. So I used to just come to school, chill, and um, wait to head to school, get something to eat, and do my thing. My man's bought me a little flip phone so I could stay in contact with him. Where you at? Where you at? All right, I got the money. Come on. So why not seek another way to make money? Why is the resort to sell? Cause well, at my age, there's really no way to make money. Like I gotta be, I gotta think, I gotta be fourteen to get a summer job. Um, it was snow. I, yeah, I made a couple of money shoveling. That's chunk change. Like I made like fifteen dollars, and yeah, it's just like it's just quick. It's just quick money, like. It's bam, boom, bah. Like, that's that's the money I like. Like, just bah. Like, don't, like, it's like quick money. Like, give me this, give me that, and then you gone. We'll never see each other again unless you really like my product and come back. And where were you first exposed to drugs? My father used to do it. Do drugs or sell drugs? Sell drugs. Mm -hmm. That's when he got locked up and then he stopped. And then I just, just, I just was just, Surrounded myself with people that used to do it. Well, I didn't do it at the time, but I used to hang out with them and yeah, laugh jokes. Right. It's like it bring me flashbacks that my mother just really sat there and let him put his hands on me, and I only knew him for like two years. They've been together for two years, like and he and he never put his hands on me, so he's not really stuck now. So it's the, that's why I try to do my best for my father because he he had never he had never I know, and then she kicked me out at the, after the fact. That's just, that's that's the thing I was really mad about. Like, she kicked me out, but she kicked me out because I well, I think I threw a brick at like the door because he hit me. I was mad. I was real angry. So she caught the police on me and all this and that. Police took me down to jail hot and then she's sitting there crying. Not because I'm hurt, because the police was really pressed charges on him. He I guess I guess she didn't want him to leave. So that's why I was really tripping off of that. So I just added my father. I love my father. I just slowed down and not try not to get caught or nothing like that. Selling drugs, something that you will continue to do. What's your plan? Oh no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna stop selling drugs. I, I bet if, if if anybody out there get another opportunity, of course they stop selling drugs. That's illegal. I'm trying to do something illegal and still make a good amount of money, quick money. Maybe yeah, maybe in the future, but now. It's just, I'm out the age on that. I slowed down, yeah, but I'm just out the age on that question.
the rest of the interview got so emotionally intense that I don't have the editing skills to be able to make it make sense to you. But everything you heard is right. I remember being an 11-year-old boy getting robbed by grown men every single day. They would wait until I got rid of my pack and they would rob me. I would go back to the guy I was selling drugs with and he didn't want to hear any excuses from me. He threatened to take my life if I didn't bring his money back. So you know what I had to do? I had to get a gun at 11. At 11, I had to get a gun to protect myself just to be able to feed myself. And that is a reality, not just for this boy, but for so many others. So many that don't make it to tell their story. I'm glad he did. And I fight to try to figure out how to help him. How to keep him from going down the paths that I've traveled. Because although ultimately I've arrived at success, it's been at a great expense. Because we couldn't finish the interview, I've decided to talk to one of his teachers about the situation who was totally unaware that he was selling drugs. But she was aware of the incident when his mother put him out of the house. I wanted to know as a teacher, as a mother, as a woman working in an impoverished community, what her thoughts were on the matter. And she had this to say. I don't think that he has a strong relationship with his mother. Anytime you send your child to school with two book bags full of all their clothes, just to say that they're no longer coming home and he's going to live with his father, there's nothing I would say he could have done, in my opinion, to just pack him up and send him out. Even still, if you were going to let him go live with his father, why send all this stuff to school? Why not take that drive to make the transition for him as easy as possible instead of just kind of kicking him out the morning as he was going to school? How do you send a child that way to school with an idea that they're no longer going back home to the place that they probably have always grown up? I then asked how his day was when she sent him to school with all of his belongings. It's important because the mental disposition of students often determine how they'll act in school, whether or not they can learn. And I'm just wondering how many teachers urged him to do something that day that he wasn't doing with all of this mental pressure on him. That was one of his days where he was just all over the building. Couldn't stand in the classroom. Um, he really didn't care about getting in trouble because who was going to be called? That was exactly what I had expected. That he had an off day, as many of our students do each and every day. And I wonder how many of them are thinking about where they're going to eat, where they're going to live, what a transition in their life is going to be like, and anxiety surrounding all of those things. And it bothers me that sometimes we berate students for not having uniforms or pencils or paper. We think those things are bare necessities when really they aren't, when really the need to eat and the need to have somewhere safe to be at night, the need to feel safe from an adult that may be trying to kill you are what are considered bare necessities in poverty, and rightfully so. So I asked her, what do you think about him selling drugs? I understand why he's selling drugs. I don't think it's right, but I understand when you're in a place where your mother just pushed you out and you have to figure out where you're going to eat or where you might sleep that night, you have to do whatever it takes to survive.
There's so much to say about this dynamic and this topic because it relates to me and I know it relates to so many boys in this city and across the canvases of urban America. It relates to someone that you know. And it's such an overwhelming topic that we gotta stop here. But I want you to reflect on this interview and I want you to listen to it again in your spare time. And think about the bearing it has on a child's mental health at a very early age to be worried about whether or not grown men are gonna knock him off any day just because he's trying to make $25 to feed himself and his little brother. Until next time.